Quantum Conversations, your portal to the inner realms. Access infinite possibilities, infinite mastery, and infinite love. Mind-expanding, heart-opening conversations with some of the greatest spiritual teachers, luminaries, and healers of today's world. Usher in new earth by living in your sacred heart. Quantum Conversations is brought to you by AcousticHealth.com, home of music from the universe, online healing retreats, and this program. Claim your free registration to daily shows at AcousticHealth.com. AcousticHealth.com, your portal to the inner realms. Our program starts shortly. Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. And hello in this episode, we are connecting to our star heritage, to the star ancestors and the star seeds that we are. And this is a hot topic, star seeds, where are you from in the universe? This is perhaps one of our most popular questions, where am I from? And my guest today is going to also share your earth destiny and how you can unravel that and be here now on our beautiful, beloved planet Earth as we come from the stars. Let's welcome Matthew John back to Quantum Conversations. Matthew, welcome. Hello. Hi, Lauren. So nice to be back. Thank you so much. It is beautiful to be here with you. This term, starseed, we hear it so much. And for some, it really resonates with us. When we hear it, we just know. But we may not know what that exactly means. We may not know to even begin where to unravel that. So Mm -hmm. let's have you talk a little bit about what this means to be a starseed. And I would say that everyone listening to this, this show is a starseed as they've tuned into it. Just that interest that they have is the indicator alone. So go ahead, Matthew. Tell us more. Where do starseeds, what is a starseed? Yeah, yeah. So um, absolutely, Lauren. Um, everyone on here listening, you're absolutely a starseed. There's no doubt. There's there's no coincidence as to why you were led to this call. And uh, you know, I know some of you on this call probably know a little bit already or a lot about starseeds. You might even have an idea where you're from. Some of you on this call may have even done one of my starseed journeys already. Who knows? But I'm going to talk about those later as well. Um, so we're going to go really, really deep tonight, really, really deep, well, this afternoon, 
uh, with um, with this topic of star seeds. We're going to talk about what it means to be a star seed, what is a star seed, how does it work to be a star seed. We're going to talk about different types of star seeds and different uh, races of extraterrestrials. And we are going to talk about different obstacles that star seeds tend to go through. We're going to talk also about uh, your star seed mission and how you can figure that out and a whole lot more. So we're going to go really, really deep for the next uh, hour and a half. And um, I think if we have a few minutes at the end, we can do one or two readings or, or maybe more, maybe three or four. We'll see how much time we have. Uh, mm-hmm. For those of you who, you know, want to know where you're from, I'll be able to uh, to hook in with, uh, with your guides and, and tell you where I see your origins being, whether in this galaxy or in another galaxy. And that's the, really one of the many amazing things about this topic is some of us, are really from outside of this galaxy, which is an incredible thought because our galaxy as it is, is just uh, unfathomably large on a physical scale. So if you, again, if you're here, you're definitely a star seed. You've probably been interested in spirituality or else you wouldn't be here, right? You've been interested in all things light work and ascension and healing and all the new earth sorts of topics that we talk about here on on your network and uh you're you're definitely starseed there's no doubt a couple other um common traits is just having a real fascination with the stars like literally looking at the stars um having a fascination with animals having a fascination with nature having a fascination with healing as well these are all traits crystals all the things that light workers are really into. And a great question that I've often pondered is how many starseeds are actually here on Earth? Is it just a few of us? Is it 144,000? How many starseeds are actually here? And my perspective on this has changed a lot over, over time. As originally, I thought that it was a very small amount of people i i thought that oh this is a very very specialized thing there's only there's only a few of us that are here to take on this whole burden of the ascension process then i really started realizing that one of the things that is happening on our beloved planet here is that ascension is happening in waves meaning people and groups of people are waking up in waves and I started realizing that perhaps there's more starseeds on the planet than I thought. And I even heard a perspective, well, what if everyone's a starseed on the planet? And that kind of blew my mind. Is that possible? And, of course, we hear stories about the background people, which I think is is not true. I think every – I'm quite sure that every being, human being on this planet and every animal has a soul. And even even plant life, there's there's a soul aspect to that, although it can be more of a collective uh, type of soul. So I, I don't believe in the background people. I believe that everyone here has a soul. I actually do believe, though, that about 60% of the Earth's populace is starseeds. Now, the thing is, you're probably, people are going to be like, what? No way. There's no way it's that many. Here's the thing. When When did you wake up? You know, random person on the call. When did you wake up? For me... I started waking up in about 2009. I had glimpses before then of awakening, but it really started happening in 2009. 
And so before then, I was just a normal, quote unquote, asleep person living in the matrix, right? So if I woke up after being a regular Joe who was asleep in the matrix, who's to say the regular Joe I see on the street isn't about to wake up as well? And I see this ascension process very much as dominoes or the hundredth monkey syndrome where the awakening is happening in waves. And the thing is, is that the waves keep getting larger. So the waves the waves that began were in very small numbers. And we can even look back to the age of Pisces, for example, which uh, were, for those of you who don't know, starting in 2012 with the, um, the end of the Mayan calendar, we moved from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And Aquarius is the age of enlightenment on this planet. The last time we had an age of enlightenment on our, our beautiful planet here was the age of Leo. And if you look on a zodiac wheel, Aquarius and Leo are directly across from each other. And during the past 13,000 years since then, we've experienced the Kali Yuga or the age of darkness, the darkness on the planet, spiritual darkness. And since we moved into that age of Aquarius, those ascension waves have started to get bigger and bigger to cover more and more people. It's still, we're still in the very beginning stages. You know, we're in 2020 here. And obviously with what's going on in the world this year with this pandemic, obviously the heat has gotten turned up, you know. So what's going to happen, though, as the heat gets turned up from the dark forces, the light beings start to wake up in more and more droves. And that's exactly what's happening. So I do believe that close to or approximately 60% of the planet are actually starseeds and most of them are asleep. Most of them are asleep. How many are awake now? Could be 1%, could be 2%. But I, I do believe that over the next decades, it will continue. To, the, the, the awakening will accelerate and accelerate and come in bigger and bigger waves until it overtakes the entire planet. Now, that's just what I've received. A lot of people say differently. You know, most sources say it's a lot less, but that's just what I've received. So let's talk about uh, different types of starseeds. And what I'd like you to do if you're on this call and you're not sure what type of starseed you are, if you're not sure if you're Pleiadian or Zeta Reticulin or Syrian or Andromedan or any of the, you know, many possibilities. And, and we're just going to go over a few. We're just going to go over like 10 different types here. But it, just creation is infinite. And the multiverse is infinite. And the possibilities for where someone is from really are infinite. These are just the most common places where souls tend to come from to this earth experience. So, and then we're going to talk about, I'm going to go over a couple of different types here. And then we're going to talk about really how this whole starseed game works. Actually, what do you think, Lauren? I think maybe we'll talk about that first and then we'll go over the different types. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, Very good. let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. So um, I, I want you to picture an egg. I want you to picture an egg. And it's, it's a very large egg. And inside this egg is another egg. And inside that egg is another egg. And inside that egg is another egg. And that can represent like the Russian doll, which is that there are different levels to the experience of us. And we know that already because 
for many of you who are already on this journey, you know that one egg is the personality who you experience yourself as. You know, I am Matthew. I am Loren, right? And then the a next level could be, well, I am the soul, right? Another level could be I am the higher self. Another level could be I am the oversoul, which is the group of 12 souls. Another level could be I am the monad, which is a group of 144 souls. Another level of that could be I am the Christed extraterrestrial self. And the I am the Christed extraterrestrial self may not even just be one self. It may be many different selves. The problem is, is this becomes, it's not really a problem, but the problem in understanding this from the perspective of being a human being is it's quite nonlinear. And we expect our minds, the way, the way that our minds, our human minds are structured, we expect everything to be linear. And, you know, when we go to school, everything is taught in a very linear fa- fashion. You know, you start in grade, grade one and you go to grade 12 and then you graduate. And in between, you study a subject and then you're tested on it and then you go to the next level, et cetera, right? The thing is, though, about trying to describe uh, this is it's, it can be very nonlinear. And there can be different aspects that come from different places. One of the most common questions, for example, that I get from people is, well, how is it possible? Because sometimes I take people on these starseed journeys, which I'll talk a little bit more about later, and we find out that they're from more than one place. You know, they're from Sirius. They're also from the Pleiades. They're also from Andromeda. And, you know, people ask, why? How is that possible? How can I be from more than one place? And it can be a matter of, of ascension, meaning your true consciousness, as I like to call it, has ascended through different realms to reach even higher realms. For example, consciousness may ascend from this from the Sirius star system as a fifth-dimensional being to the Arcturus star system as a fifth-dimensional being and then even could continue to ascend into a sixth-dimensional being or even above into a collective consciousness. So the, the route of ascension that a, that a consciousness takes uh, it, during their time in the galaxy or even in another galaxy or just in the universe in general, that can, uh, that can have many different stops along the way. It could be like taking a hike up a mountain and you stop at, at different vistas to, to see what's there. And that's one possibility. Another possibility is simply having experience different uh, places in the universe, in the galaxy or in the universe. So, you know, we're, we're talking, our, our starseed selves are spacefaring beings. We're spacefaring beings. You know, we can, just like you can, you can get in your car, if you have a car here on Earth, and you can drive to Walmart or you can drive to, to the ocean or you can just get up and drive across the country, you know, with your free will. You know, as our space in Christ's extraterrestrial cells, we can get in a spaceship and go anywhere, or we can even teleport, depending on the level of technology that our civilization has uh, achieved. So because of that, many of us have had experiences in different places, yet not necessarily were incarnates on, on many different places. However, some of us were incarnates on several different places. I kind of call these like the galactic traveler consciousnesses where their, their consciousness chose to kind of jump from one place to another, experience different incarnations. And then there's also the possibility of having more than one consciousness working through you, which is a very strange, very strange thing to think of. 
But this is a possibility as well that there could be two or even more true consciousnesses or even souls, as you might call them, working through you, experiencing this earth game through you. And there's even there's even the possibility of trading experiences where one consciousness will be in one for a while, and then one will go to another for a while. Kind of like the whole idea of the walk-in, which is something that um, many people have anecdotally experienced, and it's been written about on Earth, where some some people feel that they had a change of soul, right? And it's kind of like that. Now, the way that I've seen the whole starseed mechanism work is like I used the example of the egg before. Imagine just one of the eggs is the true consciousness, and it's like a process of giving birth to a new self. So the the true starseed consciousness, let's say, is on Sirius, right? And that's one of that's one of my uh, starseeded um, uh, places of origin is Sirius. And uh, if if the true consciousness, let's say, is there, and then branches itself off into creating kind of like a mini-me, a mini-consciousness that contains all the knowledge and wisdom and experience of the true consciousness, but also at the same time forgets it. Just like everything in life, it's a paradox. You have the remembrance deep within, which is how you found this call, which is how, uh, for example, when I take people on the starseed journeys to their home planet, in the astral plane, I don't literally have a spaceship yet, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, they, this is how they can go because there's this remembrance. There's this remembrance of already having been there. And actually the journey really is a journey of remembering in reality. And uh, so the, the true consciousness breaks off a piece. It, we could call it fractionization, but I like to call it just birthing because it's not fragmenting as much as it is creating a piece of self to go somewhere else. It's like, it's like you've gotten far enough in your business life, in your career, that you can then pay an assistant to do certain things for you, which is something I'd love somewhere I'd love to be someday. <laughs> but uh, it's like having an assistant go do things for you. So the true conscious says, hmm, wouldn't it be fun to experience this earth game? You know, and literally it's been described by by many in channel materials. And I, I've kind of seen this myself, too, literally like looking through a catalog of all the different places that are calling for starseed throughout the galaxy or even in a different galaxy. And there's Earth and then there's all these other planets that are that are calling for starseeds to come in to their timelines. And you say, wow, Earth, look at that. There's they had a, a friggin nuclear war. That's crazy. You know, for those of you who don't know, the age of Leo with Atlantis and Lemuria ended with a nuclear war. And that's what was the biblical great flood. So your, your true self says, wow, they had a they had a freaking war, a nuclear war. That's really low vibrational, like about the lowest vibrational thing possible. But, whoa, that's pretty cool. I kind of want to go to this whoa, they have all sorts of crazy weather. They have hurricanes and tornadoes and they have ice ages and then they have warming periods and there's like billions of different types of animals and and creatures there. Like, wow, this place is nuts. And, you know, 
if we really think about it, our planet really is just nuts. It's, it's a madhouse. It's an insane asylum. It's a crazy, crazy place to come to. It's not like this on most other planets. Most other planets out there in our galaxy and, and other places have already ascended to a certain point where there's no more war. There's no more famine. There's no more viruses. There's no more, there's no more illness at all. And there's very little strife whatsoever because they've ascended past that. And that's what our, the whole point of this ascension process is. And that's what, what's the whole point of, of many of us coming here at this time as the Starseeds is to, to go through and make the ascension happen. But your true consciousness says, wow, this is exciting. Look how low vibrational this is. I'm here. I'm here on Sirius or in, in Arcturus, and we're monitoring Earth, you know. All these different civilizations, many of them monitor Earth constantly because Earth is a very volatile place. And, for example, if this planet were to, again, have, like, what happened in the age of Leo, that would be a really bad thing for the whole galaxy. In fact, the Earth is – the reason why the Earth's ascension is very important is because if you picture the galaxy – our galaxy like quadrants and it's interesting enough for those of you who are star trek fans they actually like use this moniker of quadrants when they were traveling they're like we're you know Worf was like let's go to quad or no the captain would be like you know let's go to quadrant b and Worf would be like i had captain or whatever he said <laughs> but uh if let's say we're in quadrant a and across from us is quadrant c our planet see the the spiritual if you take into the um, a conglomerate or an aggregation of the spiritual light present in a planet, there will be a planet, a corresponding, because everything is a hologram, everything is a microcosm of a macrocosm, meaning, you know, just like, like a, an ant colony is representative of, a hum, of an entire human race, right? So everything is, is the Russian doll. Everything is, is a microcosm of something bigger. So, in a galaxy, there must be balance, and there must and balance because this is all a spiritual game. All of life is a spiritual game. There must be a balance between the quadrants of the galaxy. And if we are here in whatever quadrant we are, if we, if we were to draw a line directly across the galaxy, and I don't know exactly where that is, I really don't. But wherever that is, there is a corresponding solar system that is also going through an ascension, and there's a corresponding planet that is also going through an ascension somewhere else. And if one planet moves too far ahead of the other, it's like a teeter-totter, and there's an imbalance all of a sudden. There's an imbalance in the galaxy, and that can't happen. It causes a problem in the whole space-time fabric. And ask me to explain how, I really don't know. That's all I can say. It would cause a problem in the space-time fabric of our galaxy. So the higher councils will do what they need to do to balance everything out. And that could mean, for example, directing massive amount of starseeds to a particular place, which is what has happened in the case of Earth. Now, the thing is, is we can ask, like, okay, well, when? When did, um, when did the starseeds start to come to Earth? And again, in, in, the rea in the reality of this that we're looking into, which is from a galactic standpoint, the whole idea of time becomes a little bit fishy. The truth is time is relative to where you are. Completely. 
not only is it relative to where you are, it's relative to your consciousness. And we all know this because sometimes time seems to fly by, you know, you're having a time flies when you're having fun. Right. And sometimes time seems to really slow down, you know, when, when you're at work, if you ever worked a nine to five job, I never did somehow. I, I, I avoided that, but I've heard stories. <laughs> I have worked at the like crappy pizza jobs and all that, but, and, and if anyone's worked in pizza jobs, I, I jest, you know, it was an interesting experience, but you know, you're staring at your watch, you're staring at the clock and it's like, Oh my God, when is this day going to be over? This is crazy. Right. So we know that time shifts. So from, from a galactic perspective, it really depends on where you are, what planet you're on, how, how much time it takes, which is again, relative for your planet to go around your sun. And, so from a galactic standpoint, it's actually kind of irrelevant. The time is quite irrelevant, and the star seeds will be sent into different parts of the timeline. And then we go into the whole idea of like, okay, well, what about past lives? Does that mean that star seeds have had past lives? The answer is a almost 100% yes, which is surprising to some people. It is surprising to some people until, but it can be proven. Because, for example, many people that I've had do the Starseed discovery sessions with me, which I'll tell you guys about later, guys and gals about later, is they've also done, many have also done a past life regression with me. And we've really proven through their consciousness that not only did they, did they come from another place in the galaxy, that they also have past lives, right, on our planet, on Earth. And it can seem like a, a contradiction. It can, can seem like a paradox. Like, again, so much of this really seems like a paradox. But the truth is, is that when, this, when your true starseed conscious wants to come to Earth, when it decides that I'm going to go to this wild place with war and with amusement parks and television, like, what the heck is this about? Really, people on this planet just sit and watch a box? Okay, I want to go there genetically modified food, you know, uh, the dark ages, the Roman times, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, if it happened, like all of this crazy stuff we've had in our history. And again, your, your consciousness, I want to experience that firsthand. I want to experience, you know, the plague firsthand, the medieval times, all of this. What, what actually happens is you then, you come into an earth, you step into that earth soul. So the little, the smaller bubble that I, I talked about, which is created from the larger bubble, which is your true consciousness, you step that that smaller bubble becomes the earth soul, which is it, it's like the Russian doll. It's another level. It's another level. And the earth soul then comes into this this place, this this um, this third dimensional experience of earth and goes through the process of reincarnation. And it actually becomes very much up to the earth soul, which again is a part of that, that star seated soul, right? But also has its own free will. And that soul then gets to decide where do I want to go? When do I want to go? Right? So there's a lot of different levels and a lot of different influences. You have the influences of the star seed self. You have the influence. Once my understanding is this is once the star seed self basically creates a piece of itself to go experience that for the most part, it's kind of hands off. It's more watching. It's more watching than anything. And 
eventually it is also my understanding that that piece will come back. That piece will come back and merge with it. And, and how that happens is it, is it after, you know, I, again, I think it's more of a matter of free will. A lot of people ask me that, well, what happens after this lifetime? Do I go back to the Pleiades? For some people, maybe, maybe. For some people, maybe not. I mean, you know, so many of us are in such a rush to get out of this planet, which is really humorous to me. And I think it's probably really humorous to many of the extraterrestrial beings that watch us, how, how giddy so many of us are to get, get the heck out of here. <laughs> because we came here to be here. That's what's funny about it. But then we we forgot, like, oh, it is really uncomfortable to be here. We're in these really dense bodies here. And we have illnesses and we have fear and war and all this stuff. And, and you know, just like everything stacked against us here. It's a really difficult place, you know. And then we want to get out of here. But the, thing, the truth is that so many of us will ascend in this lifetime over the next 20, 30, 40 years like fully and actually want to come back because we'll be living on, on an ascended planet where all of a sudden it's a lot more comfortable. It's a lot more pleasurable to be here. And it's a lot more fun even to be here because it becomes more like our star seated place. And many of us have come here to really bring our star seated place here. We came to bring the Pleiades here, to bring Sirius here, to bring the Arctur Arcturus here, to bring aspects of, of the Essasani here, or aspects of the Mantis beings. We, we came to bring that here because these are all ascended places, or, or, or the Lyran, uh, the ascended Lyran uh, planets. These are all ascended places, and Earth needs that, clearly. Earth needs the influence of these, these places. So, I want to go into um, different types of starseeds uh, here, but uh, Loren, I just wanted to, you know, check in. Do any questions do you think come to mind, you know, from what I've just said that maybe some people in the audience might be thinking? Well, it's beautiful that um, you explain it so well and just unraveling it, you know, um, people are, asking about the Akashic records and where they were born. And they really want to yeah. know the star yeah. family and star system. Mm. But yeah. like what you said about the validation of all of it, you know, validating mm. it, that's a, that's a mm. big piece of it, right? There's something. Oh yeah. I, I mean, exactly. If we can do one thing today, I mean, you know, you're not crazy. If you think you're from somewhere else, you know, you're not literally an alien, but you kind of are in a way, but, but almost everyone, most people on this planet are, are aliens. I, I'd like to differentiate real quick just between the new soul and the old soul because I know so, so many of us on this call have probably heard just in passing like that, you know, oh, my God, you're an old soul, aren't you? You know, right? Or even we felt like ourselves, like, oh, I must be an old soul. Like, I've been in this galaxy forever or whatever. And, and it really is true. It really is true. You've had so much experience. You've already ascended. See, that's the thing is, is – we're coming here as starseeds, but we've already done it before. And that's why we come here. We come here to do it again, but in a harder place. So if you look at it like a video game, it's like you've already mastered the video game once, right? And you've completed all 100 levels. You've defeated the bosses, right? For those of you maybe 
who like video games or who have kids who like video games. I know there's a lot of kids who love video games out there, right? So you've defeated all the bosses. You basically win the game. And then you're like, well, now what do I do? I'm bored. And you say, all right, let me do it again in a, in a more difficult world. And that's what happens when you come here. You're doing it again in a more difficult place, which it's to the starseed self, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Then we come here, we're like, what the heck? I've got, I've got cancer or, or my, my loved one passed away or I got hit by a car or look at what's going on in the world. Like, really? I chose to come here? The answer is that a level of you did. A level of you did, and, and a part of you did, and because knew you knew it would be exciting, you knew it would be difficult, and you knew that you'd be here for many different lives, usually not just one. Although there are there are exceptions, I do want to point out there are exceptions. I've encountered, I would say, out of the hundreds of these starseed journeys I've done over the past couple of years, I've encountered three beings who they did not have past lives on Earth. They came directly from somewhere else on a very specific service mission. But it's rare. Most beings do come here to experience a lot, the whole reincarnation cycle and karma, accumulating karma. For those of you who have heard me before, you know, Loren, we've done shows in the past where I really discuss mostly past life karma, right, and relationship karma and all this. And that's all really relevant. And the the starseed self knows that when you come here, you're going to accumulate that karma and then you're going to have to unravel it and it's all this density and you really only feel like you're kind of merged back, you know, with who you're used to be when you go to the afterlife, right? Except for, you know, moments of bliss and, you know, meditation or orgasms here on earth, you know, that or, or, or just some, you know, spectacular experience or a moment of beauty, like then you remember like, ah, this is what life actually feels like in other places. It feels relaxed it feels peaceful it feels bright and joyful and vibrant and the thing cool thing about ascension is that so many of us are going through such rapid awakening processes right now that we're starting to experience that more and more and for some of us we're starting to experience it on a daily basis daily reconnections with the part of self that is just at perfect peace and that's why things like meditation and yoga are just fantastic and just you know, in general, being with nature or being with animals. So, yeah, Lorette, anything else that, that you're kind of uh, tuning in from the audience before we go into different uh, different places that, that uh, people may come from? Well, thank you. I just want to say that it is uh, to remember that we did choose to come here because we yeah. said we could do it. We said we can, we can. Exactly. Yes, we can. Yeah, exactly. Yes, we can, can. Exactly. So um, that is comforting to remember that and yeah. take that perspective, right, to hold that perspective. It does right, make it right. and lift a little bit of the, the, the heaviness. It does, and it really puts you in the driver's seat. You know, yes. any anytime you, you remember, like, I wanted to do this, you know, then then all of a sudden your difficulties or tragedies become challenges, and then they become exciting. And you should know, because the truth is, you wouldn't choose something you didn't come here to overcome. You wouldn't choose something you didn't come here to move through. It doesn't always mean it's moved through in one lifetime. But you wouldn't have chosen it 
if you weren't here to move through. And maybe you're here to move through it right now in this moment, maybe in a day, maybe in a month, maybe in a year, maybe in a lifetime. You know, some challenges may take a lifetime, but you came here. And just as, as the collective of star seeds from the different places that we come from, we came here to do it, just like you said. So, yes, we can. We can do it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, like I, I would say that the three reasons that um, star seeds come to Earth, and it's all three. One, it's interesting. Literally just the fact that it's interesting and exciting because it's different, because it's more difficult because it's a lower dimension, a significantly lower dimension. Mm-hmm. It's a big step down. It's a big step up in density. It's a big step away from light and source and towards darkness and disconnection. That's one of the reasons. The, the number two reason, and these aren't, aren't in any order, but the second reason is out of a desire to add experience to oneself and to God. Because, again, to make a video game analogy, going into this more difficult level actually gives you more experience points quicker. So the higher the degree of difficulty, the quicker, and again, in the eyes of, of the galactics, it's quite almost irrelevant. But in a sense, it is relevant in the fact that it happens in a more condensed fashion and you will gain these experience points, so to speak, for your true consciousness. And it's also as a service to God because God, or even a service to the galaxy, or even a service to the the consciousness of the planet that you come from, or the star, because all all these things uh, have consciousnesses that are, are kind of in charge of something, right? And just like we know, we call we call Earth Gaia. We call it a, a being, a female being, right? Because we realize the Earth itself has a consciousness, right? So it's it's to add that experience to the planet that you come from, to the star system you come from, to the the group you come from. If you come from Sirius, like I do, you add that to the group of the Syrian beings, right? You add it to the the consciousness of the Milky Way galaxy. You add it to the consciousness of God, right? or whatever you want to call that source, the Godhead, you know, the, the creator, whatever you want to call it, you add to that experience. Because as you may have heard before, you know, we are God or source or creator experiencing itself through us. Just like every being, it's just like every object is. Every object, you can pick up any object and it's pick up your water bottle or, or whatever's in your hand. It's God experiencing itself through this water bottle, you know. God experiencing itself through your dog, through your plant, through a banana, you know. So, yeah, those three things are, are, are and, and, and a service to the earth. I mean, it's the last thing. It's a service to the earth because, you, of course, you're not only serving the galaxy, you're serving the earth. So it's service, it's interesting, it's, it's fun, and it's different. And that's why starseeds come here. So let's talk a little bit about different types of starseeds. And what I want you to do is I want you to really listen in. I want you to kind of feel into if any of these really resonate. So if, you know, if you get a bell going off inside you, like ding, 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 like this sounds like me, this feels like me, I want you to take note of that. And I also want you to realize that you might feel a resonance to a couple of these. All right. So we're going to go through the most common ones, though. Ah, Here we go. 
the Pleiadians, as I'm sure many of you have heard about. The Pleiadians are generally appearing as beautiful, very physically attractive, blonde-haired, blue-eyed beings, generally with long hair. They look somewhat like the elves from the Lord of the Rings. They come from the Pleiades, which is in the constellation of Taurus, which is approximately 410 light years from Earth. And it's in the direction of the galactic center. And for those of you, I know, Loren, you had mentioned there was a question on the line about the Akashic Records. So the story goes that the Akashic Records for our galaxy, for our Milky Way galaxy, is located in Alkion, which is part, it's one of the the stars in the seven Pleiadian sisters, which is in this constellation of Taurus, 410 light years from here. And that's where the library is. And for those of you who are Akashic Record readers, probably one or two of you on the line, or you've been there, and that's something that you can do through meditation, is visit the Akashic Records. It, it, a little misconception out there, and for those of you who've heard me before, you know I like to kind of sometimes go against the grain and break down some of the misconceptions I see in the spiritual community. One of the misconceptions I see is that you need an Akashic Records reader or you need to do a specific process to access the Akashic Records, which is not true at all because the Akashic Records is just the library of all that is. You don't have to travel there astrally. You can just pick up the Akashic Records using your intuition. However, going to a good Akashic Records reader, and some are good, there's a lot of them who really aren't. They're really inaccurate, extremely inaccurate. But there are a few good ones out there. And, and the, the good ones, if you go to, a, you find a good one, yeah, you can get a much more detailed, perhaps, answer to your question. If you are clear enough as a channel to go there yourself and detached enough from the outcome, which is usually what trips people up when they try to access that, you may get a more detailed uh, thing. But you can access the Akashic Records at any time just through your intuition, literally. So that's where the Akashic Records are. Um, Alkion is also known as the, the place where souls in our galaxy are come are born from. So the new soul. So I mentioned uh, a theory of mine being, you know, close to 60%. Um, you know, it, I think it's probably in the upper 50s is what I've received of, of souls on Earth are from somewhere else in the galaxy. And the other 50-some percent are new souls, meaning they ascended through the plant and animal kingdom here on Earth. So that can trip people up, too, because some people, you know, feel such a connection with animals like I do, you know. Uh, I, I've always had a deep connection with especially dogs and cats, but all animals, you know, might have thought, oh, I must have been this, I must have been a bird or I must have been a, uh, I must have been a, a salamander or a cat or a fish or whatever. In a lot of cases for the star seeds, it's actually not true, although you may have been on other realms because you had to come from somewhere. You had to start from the zero point of being created as a soul from birth from God through whatever magical, inexplainable mechanism that that looks or, or feels like, right? Can't even imagine what, what that might be like. All I can imagine is like a flash of light just creating something, right? And then experiencing yourself as all of a sudden something that's in form, you know, and it could be first as a plant 
you know, then it could be as a tree, then it could be as uh, some sort of insect or other types of animals. And that may have happened for the starseeds on other realms. Now, there could be exceptions. There could be exceptions where perhaps a starseed, and, and I do believe there are exceptions where sometimes a starseed will actually come and incarnate as someone's dog or cat. And I have had, I have had people, clients who were sure of this, and, and we did a reading on it, and it's like, yeah, actually that is quite true. So I'm not discounting that. It does happen. I don't know if it's as common as people think, but it, it does happen sometimes where, where your dog or cat may be from somewhere else to help you as a guide. Um, so that's the, the, the place where souls are, are born. And I, I don't want to discourage anyone. I mean, I don't want to say it's not happening as much as you think. Maybe it is. I really don't know. I, I know for sure it does happen. How widespread, I don't know. Um, yeah, the place of birth and death of souls in the galaxy is Alcyon. So some common uh, traits of the Pleiadians, uh, the Pleiadian starseeds, feeling like a black sheep in their family. You know, kind of one of the most common things I see with Pleiadians is exact Sarsis is exactly that. Just feeling really out of place. You were the one that your brothers or sisters picked on or made fun of. You were the ones that your parents didn't understand. You were the one that your your mom or dad just, they gave preferential treatment to all of your siblings and, and not to you. Um, that can really be a mark of a Pleiadian. Not always, but, but often. Oftentimes, a, a real struggle that I see Pleiadian, especially Pleiadian Sarsis in their in their teens and 20s is and sometimes later in life is struggling with drug or alcohol addiction or or sex addiction as well i do find that to be a very common thing and even unfortunately a lot of pleiadians were abused and a lot of them were sexually abused when they were younger i do see that as a common thread with pleiadian starseeds part of that may be because one of the big roles of the pleiades in in the galaxy is the is the vibration of sexuality and of art and of uh, just creation and music and all the feminine and it's very venusian and actually venus when venus was inhabited by surface beings and right now venus is still inhabited but it's inhabited only by etheric beings there are no longer any physical beings on venus but there were there were physical beings on venus and they're very much like humans they came from the pleiades right to, to kind of uh, be birthed as a, a, a different type, of, a different genetic type of, of a, a, a human on the plea on, on Venus, and the the cultural um, focus was on art, music, and sexuality, and that's really the Pleiadian vibe. And many Pleiadians come here to work on the whole idea of sacred sexuality, and unfortunately. As a part of that, many do experience sexual abuse when they were young or, or even older or just narcissistic, empathic relationships. Now, this is something that a lot of women in the spiritual community have had to go, go through this. And, and thankfully, so many of them are coming on the other side of being, you know, a, a narcissist's favorite dish, so to speak, um, and learning how to, to be empowered in their womanhood. But many are Pleiadian starseeds or an aspect of them as a Pleiadian starseed, because it's part of the whole thing that the Pleiadian starseeds are here to rebalance on the planet is helping the divine feminine to return and to balance with the, with the divine masculine, which, you know, are, is the job of, of others to, to help birth. But the more the divine feminine comes in, it helps to break down the shadow masculine and birth the divine masculine. So the black sheep drawn to the night sky, like all um, starseeds, uh, 
can tend to have low low blood pressure or body temperature. Again, this is not universal. Highly sensitive, intuitive, empathic. Um, and a lot of a lot of these, by the way, I just do want to source things. I, I'm I'm very big on sourcing information. Uh, it's from, some of this from a website called Starseed Compass, uh, the StarseedCompass.net, I believe it is. You can just Google the Starseed Compass, and um, a lot of this is just my own personal experience and channeling. Okay, so I just want to put that out there. Um, interested in humanitarian efforts, you know. Uh, Pleiadian Starseed can be one who who wants to join Greenpeace, you know, or or, or, or the Peace Corps. Um, challenging social norms again, the pull black sheep thing. You know, this this would be the the person in high school who like does not go along with with what everyone else is doing. Different fashion, you know, uh, different you know, not going along with the clicky group thing. Tend to have healing abilities. May have food sensitivities again. That can be for a lot of different star seeds. Mystical, nature loving, love to share. Sometimes too much can often um, fall into the role of martyrdom martyrdom and trying to please everyone too much um very emotional and they give their energy easily to others their hearts are very tend to be very open and what happens for a lot of pleiadian starseeds is they come into this this life and this being the ascension life i just i just do want to kind of uh make a point in that i did mention the whole process of reincarnation but what happens is there's going to be a, a point where the activation comes likely from the the true self or it's already pre-programmed in the the earth soul i'm not sure about that however the time will come when it's time for the ascension lifetime which is where you and i everyone on this call is in we're in our ascension lifetimes and during the ascension lifetime it's time to wrap up all the karma from past lives which is an incredible feat to do in one lifetime and on top of that, to really integrate your starseed consciousness, integrate your higher aspects, activate your healing abilities, activate your, tele, your telepathic and telekinetic abilities, activate your, your highest health, activate, you know, anti-aging. Right? It's, it's an immense job to try to do this in this ascension lifetime. But this is where we're all in. You know, that's the goal for most of us, whether you know it or not. And because you're in that, you will tend to pick a life plan with a lot of, with some difficulties. It, for most star seeds, this life has not really been an easy ride. There are exceptions. And actually some of these exceptions are really Bodavista consciousnesses where they've really gone through such, they've really ascended already from the earth and they decide to come back. And some of those may also be star seeds. Actually, probably all of them are. But for most of us, we really chose a difficult ride. Again, not universal, but for most of us. I know a lot of your res are shaking your head like, yep, absolutely. It hasn't been easy, right? So because the ride is so difficult, there can be real big things you came here to move through. And for Pleiadians, it can be, it can be the whole, you know, moving through abuse from, as I said, when they were younger, or just being an outcast or drug addiction or alcohol addiction. But this is not for, for all because some some don't have to go through that. Some do not have to go through it. They've already you've already worked on that in other lives. Some do though. Okay. Um, on the uh, the Pleiades themselves, they live in such closeness with nature, such closeness with nature. It's incredible. It really reminds me of again a Lord, the Lord of the Rings uh, reference, the Hobbits. 
you remember how the hobbits lived in those little those little earth homes, right? And those little mounds, right? And you'd go down in it, and uh, which is it's actually amazingly it's it's a it's a real thing because my girlfriend and I recently stayed in an earth home. I was like, oh my god, it's like Lord of the Rings, right? But um, it's um they live such in 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 conjunction with nature. They they really do. The, everything is completely intertwined. There's no overusing of, of natural resources at all. None. None. It's completely, completely interconnected with nature. And the animals are very intelligent on the Pleiades. Very, very intelligent. The plants are, are even more intelligent. The animals and the Pleiadian beings communicate very freely. One of the things that was channeled through from one of my clients who went to the Pleiades with us is that there's like a demarcation zone, so to speak, where the animals are allowed to have their own unencumbered, un, uh, unencroached area. And then there's sort of a zone where the humans and the animals can interact and they speak telepathically to one another. Everyone is vegan. But I, by the way, in all of the start, these hundreds of these journeys that we've done, not one extraterrestrial civilization is currently consuming animals. Now, I'm not putting out any moral, you know, things there. I'm actually not even vegan right now myself. I, I do consume some animal products for the added nutrients. That's where I'm at now. I've been vegan. I've gone back to not being vegan. But what's interesting is that all of these places, they are vegan. And some of them don't even consume anything. Some of them don't even consume water. They just live off of prana, which there's people on our planet that do that. I mean, it's incredible. And I'm not even, I'm light years from that, but maybe someday is, you know, the breatharians is literally living off of just juice and prana or just prana for a while, right? That's how it is on other planets. And, and many of these, these um, civilizations have developed actual, um, like liquids that are some of them are made in a laboratory actually on these other places but it's not a creepy laboratory like we think of here of like you know a monsanto or you know laboratory where they're mixing this genetically modified stuff it's a really high dimensional spiritual laboratory where they're taking in nutrients taking nutrients from the plant life and putting it into a very concentrated liquid where you drink the liquid and it gives you all the nutrition you need and there's different liquids for different things there's a liquid for maybe you know just added energy there's a type of liquid for added strength there's a type of liquid for sleep there's all sorts of different liquids they're kind of like medicines but they're really juices and these we've seen on Sirius we've seen them I I believe on the Pleiades as well I believe we've seen them in an Andromedan in Andromedan uh, planets as well and I really do believe that this is actually one of the trajectories of our own planet it may start off as something like, oh, boy, that's kind of creepy. I don't want to I don't want to drink Monsanto's, you know, nutrition liquid, you know, um, but it could evolve into something that's more high dimensional. And eventually we could be consuming less from the outside world and just running more on prana and perhaps these spiritual juices, so to speak probably eating animals will be something that will be phased out from our planet over the next couple decades. Now, again, no judgment at all. Again, I'm not even vegan myself currently, so no judgment at all. But I, eventually I do see us as a human race 
not needing to consume others anymore. Because if you think about it, it is somewhat of a vampirical um, way of, of consumption, you know, to take another life to boost up your own. And that goes off the old model of the Fibonacci spiral, the flower of life, where, you know, the, the, the three consumes the, 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 each number consumes a number before it. It's a snake that consumes itself. It's a snake that ties into itself. And we are now entering into, we've entered into a new pattern of, ge- of sacred geometrical creation in our planet where we have now not the flower of life, but the Christic spiral. And the Christic spiral is, it always has a relationship to its center. It's more like a, uh, it, it, it's a matter of, of roots. So one, two, four, 16, 64, et cetera, where it, and I believe I got that right. It, someone correct me in the comments later if I didn't, but, um, and, and the number, it, it's just a spiral that keeps the same ratio to its center rather than continuing to spiral out and needing to consume itself. That may have been confusing for some. Uh, I do apologize if it was. But basically, we're entering into a paradigm now where as time goes on and as we become more and more ascended, we will actually run more on prana and plants, I do believe, than anything else. But that's to come. That's not necessarily relevant now for most people. And if you need animal products for your health, please, you know, consume them, of course. And I know it's a contentious issue for, for people, but there are many health benefits to the added vitamins um, of animal products. So um, another thing about Pleiadians, as we said, sacred sexuality. Interestingly enough, they're not necessarily even monogamous on the Pleiades. And there's many different types of relationships that there, there can be three or four or five beings in a loving relationship with one another and they raise children together. The children are raised in community settings rather than by individual couples, which is different than, for example, on, on Sirius, where it's, it's quite monogamous and just family units. In the Pleiades, it's more community units. So many Pleiadians just have this, like, really incessant desire to create communities here on Earth. And if you're a Pleiadian starseed, then maybe one of the things you really, really feel called to do is to create these communities. They're fifth-dimensional beings. And um, I, I do, I'm looking at my time, so I'll, I'll move on a little bit here to the Syrians. But uh, very quickly, um, the, the fruits and the vegetables and, and just the everything is so vibrant. Every person that uh, has gone to the Pleiades with, with me on, on our Starseed journeys, they describe the colors as new colors they've never seen before. New colors. That, and raise your hand, you know, silently out there if, during this ascension process, you yourself here on Earth have started to see new colors. It's, it's happening to me. I'll be walking along, and all of a sudden, I'll just see a color I've never seen before because that's part of the ascension. Our, our, our brain is changing. Our interpretation of life, we're being open to a new spectrum of reality here on Earth already. You know, those glimpses of, of just, just rising up briefly into the fifth dimension, you might see new colors. You might get new smells even, right? So uh, on the Pleiades and on many other plants, the colors, there's so many more colors, and it's so, so vibrant. The colors are so vivid. It's like your life, in, you know, it, it, looking through an iPhone with the vivid, vivid, warm um, filter on, right? So um, the Syrians, Syrians, Syrians are blue people, very, very blue, <laughs> very blue people. Um, and there's a lot of other beings that are blue, but others, uh, uh, sorry, Syrians can also be green. They can be shades of green. They can be turquoise. Okay. 
There are even some white-skinned or light-skinned uh, Syrians with silver hair we found, but they tend to be pretty rare. And most of them, most of them do not have hair, although we have seen some Syrians that do actually have hair, interestingly enough. Now, the dog constellation, which is also known as Canis Major, Canis Canine Major, the big dog, basically, um, is uh, eight light years away from Earth, okay? And it's the brightest star in our entire sky. It's often misconstrued as a planet because it's so bright. Sirius is the bright. Sirius A is the, is the brightest star. There's two stars that most of the Syrian beings that we connect with, and most of, our, of us Syrian starseeds out there, are from. It's Sirius A and Sirius B are the two stars, and each have a number of planets uh, orbiting around them. The Sirius A star is completely ascended. Um, all the civilizations around Sirius A are ascended beings, and there's no war, there's no strife, there's nothing, no illness, no, no reason for that. Sirius B, however, there are still remnants of planets still, as far as we know, that are living, experiencing duality, experiencing duality where it's somewhat similar to Earth, where there, it may not be as extreme as Earth, but there may be some aspects of life where there are there's the need to fight against dark, right? Many Syrians um, fought in the Orion Wars as the good guys. And many Syrian beings also have incarnated, probably as a desired experience, all sides of the experience, as Orion human beings. Those of you who don't know, and I'm sure most of you probably don't, the Orion Wars happened in our galaxy and it was one of the most significant historical events of our galaxy and really the movie star wars is actually based off of the orion wars which is fascinating and i'm just going to read this just just briefly this is from again i want to source this this is from the ascension glossary uh, which is a really cool resource on I, i believe lisa renee i could be wrong i think that's her name who created it Based on the age of the suns and the planets are galaxies, decided that the human life form was to be created in the Lyran system. And I'll briefly talk about the Lyrans. The human race, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. The human race lived there for approximately 40 million years. Okay. And a, one day a huge craft appeared in the sky and approached the Lyran planet Byla and reptilians from Alpha Draconians. And remember, the reptilians are the bad beings. Disembarked. Apparently, the Alpha Draconians were the bad beings, and the Lyrans were afraid of each other. Alpha Draconians were apparently the first race in our galaxy to have interstellar space travel and have had this capability for four billion years. When the Draconians came and saw the Lyran planet with all of its abundance in food and natural resources, the Draconians wanted to control it. And at this time, the Lyrans were third-dimensional beings, for the most part. There was apparently a miscommunication or misunderstanding between them, the Lyrans wanted to know more about the Draconians before allowing any assistance, right? The Draconians mistook the communication as a refusal, subsequently destroying three out of 14 planets in the Lyran system. Over 50 million Lyran humans were killed. It was at this point in history that the Draconians began to look at humans as a food source. And this is how old the struggle is between the reptilian and the human races. And for those of you who don't know, that's exactly what we're experiencing here on Earth. I mean, really at the top of the pyramid, the top of the game here, way above the Illuminati are these draconian beings on Earth. And many of us have this dark 
deep memory of our planet being destroyed. And there were other planets that were destroyed also in the Orion. I do believe in the Orion star system as well. And many Syrian beings also were involved as, as fighters, Jedi fighters, so to speak, in the Orion Wars. So you might have that kind of feeling of like, I came here to defeat the, the bad beings here. You know, I came here as a Jedi to defeat the bad beings. A lot of Syrians have that. Uh, Syrians have really, really strong intuitions. They tend to be uh, more reserved and have more of a, a small group of friends rather than Pleiadians who are, you know, will just like to communicate with everyone. They're really, really connected to nature. They kind of act like nature guardians. They're very creative. Syrians are very creative people. Syrians are into music, art, comedy. Comedy is one thing. Syrians tend to be very funny people. And in fact, we found that when we traveled to Syria, they actually, they put on these community plays. They, they like to, and they're comedies. They're all comedies. Very, the only time they put on these dramas in, in Sirius are when they want to, uh, they want to tell a story or, or, or they want to have a political discussion. They'll actually do it through a drama. And the local, the local children, local Syrian children will get involved and create the play. And it'll be written by the adults and then the children will be in. Some adults will be involved too. But other than that, most of the, the plays that they, they, they come and watch, just like in old, you know, Greek times when they, people would go to the amphitheater. It's the same thing. And they watch these comedies, and then they have a potluck after. Syrians like to eat much more than the Pleiadians do. They, they eat more. They have big – but a lot, of, a lot of times they really only eat in community settings because they don't really need to eat um, for the most part. It's, and they do have these juices, as I said, that are created for nutritional needs. But they do like to congregate in community and have these potlucks. Uh, there's just the so Pleiades looks like, as I said, like the Middle Earth, like the Hobbits, right? Sirius, it is just picture the most beautiful cities. There's very dense cities on the Syrian planets that we've seen, we, and everything is made out of crystal. All the architecture is crystal. There's huge crystal towers and, and huge crystal pyramids. And it just massive, massive cities with flying crafts going over these cities, just really high-level technology, right? Perhaps even teleportation in, in some of these places. And there are also beings who live out in the countryside, really in touch with nature, but there's these massive crystal cities and there's temples, all crystal temples all over the place where you go down into the temple, into these crystal caverns, and there's all sorts of different stations or, or things that you can do as, as, as uh, very spiritual beings, as they're very high-dimensional, fifth-dimensional spiritual beings, to work on other things in the, in the galaxy. You know, this is where people come to meditate or to monitor the galaxy or monitor perhaps even their starseed cells, right, to, um, to create changes on their own planet, to manifest to just be, to see their Akashic records. Like there's all these different stations in these big uh, crystal temples, massive crystal uh, caverns, the homes that they live in, everything crystal and just crystals everywhere. And they live in family units. They live in family units, usually uh, um, a mother, a father, and children. Um, much better weather there, uh, much better weather, not the craziness of weather here. In fact, the duality of our weather here on Earth is pretty rare, and we don't really find it in other parts of, of the universe for the most part. 
it's a reflection of the spiritual duality of Earth is the duality of our weather, how extreme our weather gets. On most places, it's kind of warm all the time, although there are some places that still do experience snow, um, especially at higher elevations. But for the most part, it's more warm and more stable. Um, there's The sky is blue. Everything is very blue. So picture just a hue of blue everywhere. Many of the plants are blue. The, the color of Sirius is blue. It's blue. The color of the Pleiades is green. It's the heart chakra, right? Green and pink, very feminine. Sirius is a little bit more masculine. It's very blue, the vibration, okay? Um, Arcturus, uh, for those of you who may think that you're an Arcturian being, Arcturian uh, beings on Earth tend to be really, really cerebral, really, really um, interested in, like, geometry or math or quantum physics or, um, like, taking a car apart, you know, a mechanic or flying a plane or just really intricate things. And not always, but a lot of them. A, a lot of our architects and our engineers and our, our, our space people and our, our people who build planes and all this, these are Arcturian starseeds. They just may not be awakened yet. Tend to be really good at organizing and planning, you know. Um, think of like a, a, if you know anyone who's a Virgo, you know. <laughs> A Virgo tends to be really, really, really organized. That's, uh, that's the Arcturian uh, sort of um, vibration. And uh, also music, though, because one thing about the Arcturians is they operate at the fifth dimension, but they also do operate at dimensions above, where they may be more etheric beings or maybe even collective group consciousnesses. And at those higher, higher, so to speak, elevations of consciousness, they may be creating through actual music and just geometry, and that creates form. Creating form through music is something, and that's why many Arcturian starseeds are very interested in music. Mozart, I do believe, was an Arcturian starseed. They're very, Arcturians are very focused on building the new earth, architecting the new earth, architecting the new earth. And many of these beings are, are like working right now on new earth systems, like actual physical new earth, new earth architecture, you know, cleaner ways of, of energy, you know, Tesla. People say, you know, Tesla was from Venus. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He seems like he could have been an Arcturian Starseed as well. I'm just saying. You know. <laughs> but it, that sort of thing, like really like actually structures, physical structures for the new earth. The Arcturians are blue. They can also look kind of purple. They tend to be shorter and kind of thin, although there are some that are, there are some that are taller as well. They have, again, just like on Sirius, these massive cities, these really high-dimensional cities. They tend to live more in cities than even the Syrians do. Um, and it's just beautiful. Just the art, just the structure, how it's planned out. Like if you, you know, if you think of like Google Maps looking down at like Manhattan or something and how um, – you know, and for those of you who live in Manhattan or have lived in Manhattan, you know that it's a grid. Like most cities have a grid to them in some place in the city. The grid on our, the grids on Arcturus are so perfect, you would never have a curve in it. And if it did, it would be in a beautiful geometric pattern, like a circle or an oval shape. It, they, they have such an eye for architecture and for design and planning. Um, briefly, I know um, I got to get going here with time. 
the Lyrans are, uh, as I said, you know, they were involved in, in the, the Orion Wars on, on the unfortunate side. The Lyrans can be human beings. They can also be cat beings. And for those of you who really love cats, and I've always been a cat person, but I'm not a Lyran, um, you may be a Lyran. You know, if you really have an affinity for cats over dogs, yeah, you, you might be a Lyran. Uh, some of them look like lions, like their heads actually look like lion heads. Some of them are look like black panther heads, okay, or, or mountain lion heads, okay. Um, the Lyrans are third-dimensional beings, although they, they're, in general, it's more of an upper third dimension where they've, they've started to develop new spiritual abilities that some of us on this planet are starting to develop now. Um, and they may also, I do believe there's also fifth dimensional beings that are, are in the, the Lyran star system. If you, if you heard of the Vagan, not vegan, Vagan, um, they come from the star Vega. These Vagan star seeds would be from the star Vega, which is in the Lyran system. So there's many different planets. In the, the Lyran system refers to the entire constellation of Lyra. So there's many different stars there. And there's many different types of beings. Some of them humans, some of them cat beings. Some of them cat beings. They tend to, stars, Lyran starseeds on Earth, they like to push their physical limits. These are our athletes, our rock climbers, our, our athletes, you know. They tend to really, really um, like experiencing the physical to the fullest, like food, cooks. A lot of cooks can be uh, Lyran. Um, they kind of have a live and let live attitude. They really just want to be feel free you know uh they're not the type of person that necessarily enjoys a lot of structure um they may have a freedom fighter mentality they may be quick to identify injustices and be willing to fight for the causes they believe in quite fearlessly um natural leaders in fact i do believe um many members of the military are lyran starseeds and again they just may have not not woken up yet or maybe they started to um and they just tend to be Fiercely independent, the Lyran starseeds. Um, varying height, four to seven feet. And uh, most of them will wear uniforms. The, the Pleiadians also, by the way, will wear uniforms most of the time, but they will also wear different dresses and clothing. The Syrians will wear uniforms almost all the time, except for special occasions. What's interesting is that fashion is such a big thing on our planet, fashion and makeup and... Um, you know, clothing. And uh, oddly enough, on most of these other planets, it's not even a thing. Most of them just wear the same thing, which, I mean, to me, it seems kind of boring, but I, I guess it's just the physical appearance becomes less of a priority when life is more about the spiritual experience rather than the physical. The spiritual experience through the physical. Um, let's go on to just a couple bit more, and then we can take we can do some reading. So um, the Esasani, the Esasani, uh, for those of you who know Bashar, Bashar is a very famous channel here on Earth for the Esasani extraterrestrial beings. And uh, they are a higher dimensional um, consciousness, a high, higher dimensional group of beings um, in the fifth dimension. And they supposedly evolve 10 times faster than we do on Earth. Supposedly, they live about 300 of their ears. They're very small. They're, they're short, uh, about five feet. Larger eyes, whitish complexion, although there's exceptions. Males have no hair and women do. They're telepathic. They do not speak. They also do not eat or drink at all. 
yes, Asami, supposedly. Um, and they create an offspring between a male and a female outside of their bodies, actually. The Pleiadians, by the way, do procreate physically. The Syrians do procreate physically. The Arcturians, I do believe, from what I've seen, they do not procreate physically. And some planets, we found that you can either procreate physically or not. For example, on the Pleiades, sexuality is so much more than just for procreation. But on other other civilizations, it's really just for procreation or it's not even necessary for procreation. And it may just be an experience that life may be just orgasmic already on some of these in some of these higher dimensions. And the whole idea of sexuality is kind of unnecessary because life is already so orgasmic. Um, the, so people, they're very, I found very rarely people being Esasani starseeds. So I don't have a whole lot of information on that. The Yael, the Yael beings, um, raise your hand out there if you, uh, remember the Phoenix Lights. The Phoenix Lights. Um, I don't remember which year, it may have been 2016, or I'm not sure, but there was a whole fleet of crafts that appeared over Phoenix that were completely unmistakable. I mean, even news cameras caught it. I know. And, wasn't that before uh, that was, 2012? Maybe that was before 2012. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. It was, you know, I think you're right. It was a while mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for interjecting there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was like unmistakable. That was like, whoa, there's for sure ETs here. That was the Yael. And supposedly the Yael will be the first beings that we have full contact with, like the whole adage of the beings landing on the White House lawn. That'll be the Yael. Um, they're very, very similar to us they they look different a little bit i believe they have rounder heads and bigger ears and eyes they don't really have hair but they really they're kind of the ones i believe that the galactic council have said because you're so close to earth monitoring earth so closely you'll be the first ones to have first contact zeta reticulants are they look kind of like the grays now the grays are the bad beings okay grays are creepy bad beings that those are the ones that, you know, abduct people on our planet. They're not nice beings. They don't have souls either. They're kind of creepy AI pretty much. Um, and they create artificial satellites and moons and they're creepy beings. The Zeta Reticans look very close to the grays. And there's a big misconception that they are grays. They're not. The Zeta Reticans are not grays. They're actually light beings. They have different eyes. They have different eyes. They, you can tell looking at a picture a drawing of a Zeta Retigan, you know, you can Google it and see what you find. They, they have, there's a soul there. There's light in their eyes, you know, as opposed to the grays who are just pretty much lifeless inside. Um, so the Zeta Reticulans, uh, again, pretty rare. I haven't really found any Zeta Reticulans starseeds yet. Um, Orion starseeds briefly. The Orion beings are humans. They're humans. They look just like us, just like us. And, um, they tend to be really into knowledge and study. So people who are really, if you're like me, where your whole life you just literally, I enjoy research so much. I love to research anything. When I was in school and up until now for, for you know, my career, I love to research and take notes and, and just dig into topics. I love books. You know, That's a real trait of an Orion starseed. They tend to strive for perfection, too. We tend to be a little bit hard on ourselves, Orion beings. They tend to really like alone time, and they tend to really like competition, really like to compete, and that's definitely been me. I've always liked to compete, whether it was in sports or just for fun. Um, and uh, 
again, a lot of us have that memory, as I said, of our planet being destroyed. Uh, just, I think, two more here. Blue avian beings. Okay. Blue avian beings. And myself, I do feel like I do have a connection with the blue avians as well. There are not a whole lot of blue avian star seeds here, but there are. There are. Um, and uh, these beings, um, so Thoth. Thoth is, um, of course, from, from Egypt, right, um, is, is the bird being. That was a blue avian. So the blue avians were clearly in ancient Egypt. They, that's how they drew them. Either that or they were just channeling them through meditation. But they were there. So the blue avians were very much involved with, I do believe, in a physical form with the pharaohs. I do believe that. And um, the blue avians are just giant bird beings. So think of our birds, our avians, but they're giant. And they have giant wings. Beautiful, beautiful beings. Beautiful. And they can operate at a physical vibration or way above a physical vibration. Incredibly, incredibly high-dimensional beings. Supposedly, Reiki. Now, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but this has been channeled through. Reiki was channeled from the Blue Avian. So those of you who are Reiki healers or Reiki masters, like myself, it's pretty cool to think about, right? By the way, also, supposedly, Jesus, when he was on Earth, he was a Reiki healer as well. So, interesting. Um, Mantis ETs, mantis ETs. Think of a praying mantis. Those, yeah, the green praying mantises. There's actually extraterrestrials in our galaxy. I, some say it's in our galaxy. Some say it's in another galaxy. I'm not quite sure. I actually believe it's in our galaxy. There's a challenge, just from my journeys with people, there are channel materials. Let me double check. No, that's right. Sorry, it is from another galaxy. I apologize. Yes, they are from another galaxy for sure. We did confirm that. But they are very large praying mantises, and they live really simply. They don't eat. They don't need to. They don't drink anything, and they're, they're always awake, and they're pretty much just in perpetual just bliss and monitoring and meditation, and they play a lot of music. They send out these harmonic frequencies throughout creation to assist in different things, and they live very simply. There's only a few of them on each planet. They live... They're naturally socially socially distancing, but a joke for today's time, because there's not a whole lot of them. There's like one that will be in each hut, just living out in nature. They're very rare beings and a rare type of starseed. These ones are people who never felt comfortable in their skin, like really uncomfortable. Like the, the mantis starseeds that, that I've worked with, they literally have felt like crawling out of their skin at some point in life, like they didn't belong in a human body, because... Think about going from being a giant praying mantis to being uh, a human being. It's a big change, right? And then, of course, we have the Andromedans. The Andromedans, and, and myself, I am also an Andromedan being. I do believe, actually, my highest consciousness actually evolved as the Andromedan being. And the Andromedans are, see, the problem with this is that people will say, oh, Andromedans are this or that. The issue is that Andromeda is an entire galaxy entire galaxy it's actually our sister galaxy was one trillion stars in the andromeda galaxy one trillion stars and if you multiply that by let's say every star is 12 planets because 12 seems to be a big number in our universe that would be 12 trillion different planets possibly 12 trillion different races of beings so it it's impossible to kind of uh pinpoint where you're from if you are an andromedan however for many of my people, my clients who have taken on these journeys, 
I've seen them as being blue or green beings, similar to the Syrians, but a little bit different, and many of them being in perpetual meditation. There's beings that at a certain um, level of the hierarchy of, of dimensions and consciousness, they're just in perpetual meditation. Almost think of like the Rishis. The Rishis are a group of 12 beings, supposedly, that are still in the Himalayan mountains. And actually, um, you know, one of my favorite people in the spiritual community who's been on this very network, uh, Sananda from the Twin Rays, um, he studied with the Rishis in the Himalayan mountains. And supposedly they've been, you know, in perpetual meditation, just in and out of form for 26,000 years, holding the vibration of the earth together. And those beings are a lot of what I see for Andromeda beings, really, really high dimensional. Like we're talking, you know, eighth, ninth dimension. And, and it, a lot of people have different, you know, models of the dimensions, but that's often what I see in dramas. I have also found people, though, who are physical beings in the Andromeda galaxy. It really just, there's so many different possibilities. And what's interesting is that science says that in uh, 4.5 billion years, so, you know, not tomorrow, but, but soon, <laughs> is, uh, our galaxy and the Andromeda galaxy will actually collide and merge into one galaxy. And what that means is, see, the Milky Way is the little sister to the Andromeda galaxy. On the ascension spiral, the Andromeda galaxy is ahead of the Milky Way galaxy, and the Milky Way is catching up. And when the Milky Way finally catches up, the galaxies will collide and become one new galaxy and it'll be a whole new you know uh, point in creation you know so that's just a couple of different types um loren i know we're almost at 90 minutes i can go over i don't know what your time is um if we want to maybe take one or two callers we could do some some readings here it's, it's up to you i know i talked wow a lot. well no this has been fascinating and we are having audience members sharing that they recognize more where they're from now What's interesting Great. Good. is Good. I'm feeling I'm feeling um, Syrian, Pleiadian, and Arcturian. Isn't that amazing? Just because of yeah, some of the characteristics. Is, yeah. yeah. Beautiful, mm. beautiful, mm. beautiful. Yeah, Coolness. for sure. I always I always felt like you were you were uh, Pleiadian for sure. Um, but you're right. I do I do feel also the Syrian Arcturian um, vibes in you as well. So yeah, cool. <laughs> cool stuff. Awesome. <laughs> well, we have time for some callers, so. Um, we can't yeah. get to everyone. We apologize. But I do want to say, before we go into this, that Matthew yeah. has Starseed Discovery Readings sessions. Yeah. And they yeah. are available in one-on-one -on -one sessions. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, get a personal session with Matthew. As you can tell, he can yeah. really do a great reading with you. But we'll talk about that um, soon here. Let's go ahead. I'm going to unmute our caller from Denver, I believe it's Yvette. Hello. Yes, hi, Lauren. Hi. <laughs> hi, Matthew. Hi, thank you hi. for selecting me. Uh, yeah, I'd be curious uh, where I'm from. I've always felt like most people I'm on this call, that not from this planet. <laughs> Just never peg <laughs> in the round hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had any um, inclination um, of where you're from or... Did you really kind of resonate with one or two here when we were talking uh, about those? No, it's just been recently, um, you know, I just felt this disconnect um, and just feel it around. Um, yeah. And it's just so, and, and here, well, a couple of years back, it was funny that uh, the, I'm trying to think of, of oh, no, I can't think of, of the book right now, but I was having these meditations and it was about these planets 
is as if they were ripped up from the earth where you can see the bottom like tentacles of the of the planet and they were like you mentioned crystals and others were other uh, planets and when I zoomed in closer I went up to see an alien and um, in the cockpit with others he was like the leader and I was like oh my god what is where is this and who is he and as I get got closer it's like he realized that I was there, and he turned and looked at me, and it freaked me out, and I zoomed out. Wow. wow. What an experience. <laughs> yes. Very cool. And All right, so, so I was Yvette, wondering um, if that was where sorry. I was from. Okay, cool. Yeah, so let's do that. So I'm just going to um, just gonna go silent here for, for uh, 30 seconds or so here, and uh, just going to tune in to, to what I got. So just give me a Give me a moment here. Yvette, I'm I'm getting two for you. I'm getting um I'm getting that your your most ascended self comes from the uh Andromedan galaxy. And uh and then when you came to this galaxy to experience, you uh you came into the Pleiades. And then from the perhaps if we want to try to, you know, delineate it from the uh Pleiades you would come to Earth. So I would look into the Pleiadian beings and uh and see how that resonates. And um it, you know, as, again, for Pleiadians, uh, it's life is much about discovering the heart. It, for, it is for all of us, but that's really the gift that Pleiadians bring. And for the Andromedans, it's um, knowledge. It's uh, just being able to see the big picture, being able to really discover, like, what this whole planet is about. And these are generalizations. But, yeah, Yvette, I would look into the Andromedans and the Pleiadians for you. Oh, cool. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. I'll do Look yeah. into that, and it makes sense because yeah. I'm, I'm always researching, exploring, a- and learning. Absolutely. Yeah, and and if you if you decide you know you want to really find out for sure and, and experience it like firsthand, you know, you can think about uh, doing the the Starsky Discovery session with me. You know, we'll we'll travel. We'll have you travel in the astral plane. You don't believe your house in the astral plane to your home planet. So, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll we'll be able to really see it for sure. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, You're Matthew. Welcome, Thank you, yeah, Yvette. My pleasure. Thank you, Yvette. Thank you. Have a great evening. Awesome. Okay, so um, you're tapping into your intuition and your inner guidance um, as you do these readings in this session. And so describe a little bit more, Matthew, about that Starseed Discovery Session. It sounds fascinating. Uh, these are individual yeah. journeys that you take with people. These are individual journeys, and uh, it's it's a 90-minute private session with me. We do it over the phone, or, or, you know, if you're international, we can do WhatsApp or Skype. And what we do is first we're just going to discuss a little bit, like, you know, a debrief before the journey as far as, you know, a lot of the – some of the information we shared here, but perhaps even more in-depth about, uh, you know, what it really means to be a starseed. And then what we're going to do is we're going to get you into a state of relaxation, state of receptivity, and we're going to guide you on a journey into the stars. And you're going to go, you're going to 
be met by some guides, by some guides from your your home planet. And for those of you who, it's interesting because, you know, as we said, you know, Loren, you feel like, you know, Pleiadian, Arcturian, Syrian. So if you did it with me, who who would come, right? Um, and, and sometimes, for example, the Pleiadians will bring you to Sirius or vice versa. It's interesting how they'll interact with one another through your consciousness. And uh, you'll get to experience at least at least one of your home planets firsthand to see it. You literally see it. You feel it. It feels very real. People have really emotional experiences very often on these uh, journeys where it's just such a, a feeling of reunion, of being home. And they'll cry and, and they'll just feel this connection. And, you know, most commonly people are like, oh, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go back to Earth. It's so yeah. perfect up here. <laughs> I feel so welcoming. It's really just an intense feeling of going home. And so you explore your planet. You meet a lot of the galactic guides. You, um, you know, sometimes we'll explore your home, like your dwelling on your planet. And we'll might explore what your, you know, what your role is on that planet. We might explore some of the temples. Um, it just really depends. It's a very personalized uh, mission for each person. And uh, then you come back, you know, you get an activation from some of your guides as well. And then you come back and, uh, and you come back to Earth. So it's super fun. And I believe that's package C or offer three we're doing. And uh, I guess maybe after we, we take callers, I can tell people about everything else you get in these packages because they're just jam-packed with stuff. Yeah, well, now is a good time for that. So, um, sure. it's wonderful because there's different, um, things that people can do with you. So that starseed discovery, yeah. we went to the whole kit and caboodle. That's wonderful. But you right, are right. a wonderful teacher. You host you. webinars and you go in depth on specific topics. Thank and you. one that you did yeah. recently was the energy, the energy 101, you know, your energy body, yeah. your energy field. The human energy field 101. Human yeah. energy field. That was so, a fun one, yeah. Yeah, so describe these um, as we wrap up our show. Um, and sure. people can read there, too, what those are about, but share a little Absolutely. bit on those. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, we are doing a Mastery Empowerment course on this very network. On July 25th, it's a Saturday, it'll be at 2 o'clock New York time, 11 a.m. Los Angeles, and it is called Powerful Visualization Techniques for Ascension, Learn to Use Your Third Eye. And we, I'm going to teach, uh, it's going to be a two-hour um, Mastery Empowerment course. I'm going to teach how to use visualization techniques for grounding, shielding, purifying, self-energizing, cord cutting, healing energizing chakras, cleaning or sealing the aura, manifesting, meeting spirit guides, receiving direct guidance, seeing soul contracts, healing relationship difficulties with another person, forgiveness, moving on from the past, making decisions, healing your body, eliminating viruses, parasites, bad bacteria, eliminating thoughts that aren't yours, seeing your highest possible future, cleansing spaces, protecting spaces or your home, sending beings to the light, healing people, animals, or plants, jumping timelines, so many different things. And again, um, you know, as far as the eliminating viruses, parasites, bad bacteria, it's just, you know, it, it, it's going to help, but, you, you know, you also if you have some sort of issue, you would need to use some sort of medicine. So don't think just by learning this, you'll heal yourself from something. It, it can help, right? But um, we're going to go over all this stuff in the Mastering Empowerment course. So this, this included in all three of the uh, offers. But uh, in, in offer one, just you get that. You get the Human Energy Field 101, which is a three-hour Mastering Empowerment course. We uh, taught the function structure of the chakras, the life themes involved in the seven main chakras, the minor chakra system 
the fifth dimensional higher chakra system, the, the auric system, the seven layers, the meridian system, the nadis, kundalini energy, ascension activations, energetic cords, all sorts of stuff. We went really, really deep into the energetic structure of your energy vessel. You get um, another Mastery Empowerment course, How to Move On Completely from Your Ex. So for those of you who have just had a breakup or who are in a relationship that's on, you know, kind of unstable ground, this is great. We go over what's happening on a soul level when breakups occur, what are soul contracts, how to know when one is complete, why they can be so painful, how to attract someone much better in your experience. There's all sorts of stuff we go through. Differences between twin flames, karmic twins, and karmic soulmates. And we do cord cutting uh, to help you let go of um, whoever you need to let go of. Uh, spiritual hygiene, cord cutting, grounding 101. Another Mastery Empowerment course, two-hour course. Uh, we talk about different types of negative energies we can pick up in our field, how we pick up negative energies, how to clear them, how to shield yourself, how to raise your vibration. Does raise your vibration mean attract more darkness or no? How to ground yourself, how to know if you're grounded or ungrounded, how to protect your home and office from negative energies. It all, really, really, it's spiritual self-defense 101. Fantastic. Um, the fifth session is Awakening Divine Masculine. This is for everyone, men, women, all genders, uh, all genders and sexes. Um, this is about how to go move from the shadow masculine within to the divine masculine, how to use logic, intellect, goal setting, um, et cetera, to become a much more healed person. Creating the 5DU, which is all about um, taking stock of your life, identifying your blockages, clearing your blockages, rewriting your subconscious mind to include beliefs that will carry you forward, not backwards, experiencing your future self in your highest possible timeline, and much more. It's a, it's a hands-on course to help you uh, to create your highest future, dissolving the ego, and this is a really, really cool webinar that helps to break down not just what you might think of ego is, because ego is actually much more intricate than you might have thought, and we do the 12 pillars of dissolving the ego uh, which will help to break down any aspects of ego that are holding you back from experiencing more spirit and heart-centered consciousness in your life. Mastering your intuition. Talk about how to make better decisions, um, how to uh, identify your how your specific intuition works, specific practices to refine your intuition. We're talking about discernment and channeling. Uh, putting the past in the past, which is all about moving past heartbreak, guilt, um, perceived mistakes and just the past in general and a deeper uh, a navigating the dark night of the soul which is about exactly if you feel like you're in the dark night of the soul now or you know someone who is or your partner is or your son or daughter is this is really good to just understand what the dark night is and how to move through it much quicker and a deeper level of forgiveness which is all about learning to forgive on many different levels a guided meditation to meet your spirit guides and activate psychic gifts and a healing transmission called I Love You Regardless. So that's 13 audios, 13 audios. It includes all of my Mastery Empowerment courses and webinars and audios from 2018, 2019, 2020, plus the one on July 25th. So 14 items in total, $133. It's over 60% discount. Offer two is all that plus a private soul plan reading with me, a private soul plan reading. So what I'm going to do for the soul plan reading going to connect with my guys and your spirit guides to read your life plan and channel details about your soul lessons and your relationships during this incarnation. Why did your soul plan certain events relationships for you? What are you meant to learn? What is your karma? What are your soul lessons? Um, you know, how to best move forward? What does your future hold? 
So it's a, it's a really in-depth psychic reading. You get a very specially tailored for these packages. So offer two is 177 and uh, offer three has all that plus, like we already talked about, the Starseed Discovery Session, which is a 90-minute session, and that is $333 for all three. So you get all the audios, you get the 45-minute Soul Plan reading, and you get the 90-minute Starseed Discovery Session in package three, uh, all for $333, and it's just a massive discount off of you know, off, off of anything else I offer. So, um, and you can go to, in the email people got, right, they can, they can click on the special offers, um, and it's really easy to access. I, I also, I, just because of my schedule, I, I can't sell that many of these, so we're going to cap it at 15 uh, of the package twos and then at the most 10 of the, the package threes. So, you know, if you're thinking you want to do the Starseed Discovery Session, we can only do 10. I believe we already sold two of them, right? looks like. Um, so that would be eight left. So if you're interested, try to get in. Um, you know, the sessions will be uh, in August uh, if, if you get in now. I, I just I, I do tend to be a little booked up. So, um, But if you get in now, you'll be able to reserve something for early to mid-August to, to do both of those. And in the meantime, you can go through the, I mean, just hours and hours and hours. of There's like 30 or 40 hours of audio here that you can go through to help in your healing process. Yes. Beautiful. And, you know, when you um, actually, when when the Starseed journey is connected and complete, mm -hmm. there's no going backwards. There's no forgetting that yeah. feeling. And that Absolutely. is such an important connection. Um, Absolutely. And it's empowering. It really is empowering. So that's Absolutely. quite a gift. And so do you record that session if people do want to yes. listen again? Absolutely. Cool. Yep, yep. We we absolutely record them. I'll send you the recording right after. Yeah, it's something that, that you'll you'll it's really unforgettable. It's really life changing to really just go home. You you get to go home. Go home. It's as simple as yeah. this. And it's fantastic. Yep. Go home and feel that energy and yeah. Exactly. And feel the confidence of bringing that here yeah. on our planet. There is exactly. a remembrance of why we exactly. chose everything that we chose. And that right there, again, yeah. is just so empowering that it really allows Absolutely. us to focus and the commitment mm -hmm. it, anew to new earth yeah. here now. I love yeah. the way you put that. It, completely, <laughs> completely. Yep. Yep. And it's fun, too. It really, it really is just it's fun. It is very, very fun. And, you know, some people might be thinking, like, um, you know, what if what if I can't – I've never done an astral journey. You know, I've never done a past life regression. Like, can I do this? The truth is, for the vast majority of people, yes, you can. Um, if you've ever done a guided visualization and you did relatively okay at it, you'll do fine with this. If you've struggled with guided visualization in the past, we can still do it. We can absolutely still do it. Sometimes it's a matter of feeling things more than seeing for some people. And sometimes also I will bring myself in and really, you know, uh, just tell them more of what I'm seeing, uh, you know, at least as far as where they're from and what their mission is. So regardless, you're going to get, you get what you want. And for the vast majority of people, for 90% of people or more, it's going to be a really clear journey, really, really clear. Um, but some people it, it can be less clear. Just, the more, the better you are at doing guided visualizations already, 
the clear it will likely be. But even if you aren't so good at it, don't just don't scare yourself away from it because you still can get a really strong experience from. I've actually people, interestingly enough, that were like, oh, I'm not good at visualization at all. And then they get here and maybe at the beginning in the journey, we got to kind of work through a few blocks as far as visualization. And then, oh, my God, did they just have the clearest journey ever. And they're just we're both amazed at the end. So it's it's a really cool thing because we're kind of we're drawn in, you know, some connections from from the extraterrestrial world, and it just seems to work. Almost all the time, it really, really works very clearly for people. Yes, and and the higher self is always in charge and showing us these aspects right. as well. Right, so right. that's beautiful. Again, just a deep, deep connection within and a remembrance of who we are and where we came from and our destiny here on earth. That special offer, thank you for that, Matthew. John, that's available on this webpage. You can scroll down. You can um, click that special offer button and see that and see all those offerings. We appreciate that. Again, Matthew John is a wonderful guide for star seeds. And if you resonate with this and it warms your heart and it feels right, go ahead and have some fun with that journey. Thank you, Matthew. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Lorraine. (laughs) As always, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, thank you. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening as well and for connecting in with your remembrance of who you are. Matthew, John, thank you for this quantum conversation. We'll see you again soon in our New Earth presentations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. And now it is time to dance our way to the cosmic heart. So we're just going to go a little tango style. Enjoy, everyone. Thank you for being here.
Quantum Conversation, and thank you for dancing with us to the Cosmic Heart. As we raise our own vibration, we raise the vibration of the planet. This show is dedicated to you and all awakening hearts as we are here to shine our bright light and amplify our love. Access all Quantum Conversations, special offers from our guests, and online healing retreats by visiting AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and from my sacred heart to yours, I honor your magnificent love and light. We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste. Namaste.